You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Episode 190 of Locked On Browns. Uh, guys, uh, look, we're getting closer and closer. Like I said, you know, obviously we took the weekend hiatus like we've been doing to these parts. Uh, we're going to go pretty much every day here as long as we can get the guests, uh, you know, up until April 26th. Uh, it seemed to be a nice, quiet Monday. Then Path to the Draft came out, and, you know, I guys, I put the tweet out about 4 o'clock, said you might want to watch Path to the Draft. Daniel Jeremiah said that, uh, the Browns still aren't sure yet. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of people in the NFL league circles who think Josh Allen still is significantly in, pe- in play. Look, it's tough, guys. We've got to breathe. Uh, whether it's smoke or not, I know a lot of people wanted to come back with that. I, I don't know how much you're smoke screening people when you're picking one overall. But look, that's not what we're here for this evening. I've got a great guest. Guy, I appreciate the work he does. It's thorough. It's deep. And Eric, look, we just spent three minutes chatting it up before we actually recorded, and I didn't get the official pronunciation on the last name. I'm going to just wing it, though. Eric Edlum. Eric Edholm, that's right, absolutely. Yep. Okay, from Pro Football Weekly. Uh, Eric does a fantastic job. Uh, right now, guys, if you're checking out Pro Football Weekly, which you should, uh, look, guys, there's so much great content being put out right now. But Eric's doing a great job right now. I believe they are dubbing it the uh, Eric's NFL Super 50. But uh, look, guys, draft-wise, Eric does a fantastic job. Eric, first off, glad to have you. Second off, how's things going? How are you holding up through the draft cycle? I know you got some twins at home. Everything good? <laughs> you making it through each passing yeah. week here, each passing day? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, up until about four or five days ago, you know, I'm cranking along in my work and head down and, you know, making my calls and watching my tape and writing my words and all that stuff. And I looked up and thought, wow, we're like 20-something days from the draft at that point. And I thought, wow, it's kind of flown by this year. Usually I'm sitting there, you know, grinding through the last, uh, you know, three weeks before the draft. But these last four or five days, the, the, we've ground to a halt a little. So everything's good. I'm hanging in there. I'll be happy when draft day is here and come and gone. And I love the draft, believe me. But, you know, we get to this point, paralysis by overanalysis and all that. So it's it's a good time of year, but I'm also happy when May 1st hits. It's, that's the thing. Like, we live for it, but it's so great yep. when you can finally just put, like, the phone and the computer away and just walk away. And for me, it's, you know, whether it's wrestling or it's law and order, SVU, marathons is like i just need something but look you got if you're into this and you do what we all do like it's coming down the stretch and it's you know it's almost like a marathon the legs are shot the body's not willing but you know you got to go ahead and see it through the finish line but that is the best part of what we all do eric uh first thing i do when i have anybody on here when we're talking the draft process is Give me some of your personal faves, and like everybody, like it could be a you know round, you know, couple of you know top fifty players, you know midday guys, day three guys. We all kind of fall in love, and look, Auden Tate, I'm ride or die here. I don't care, guys. You can say whatever you want. I know the way he tested. I'm not jumping off of this mountain. But Eric, we always have those couple of guys that we stand for. So give me a couple of Eric's. Yeah, I, I kind of like Christian Kirk, you know, and, and I feel like maybe he's been a little bit forgotten about. And, you know, there's actually some wide receivers I like who are kind of, 
you know, anywhere from end of round one, you know, early round two, all the way up to round five. I mean, Kirk is a guy who I just, the more I watch, the more I really appreciate. He's got that kind of running back build. The more I watched of DJ Chark, I liked, you know, I just felt like, boy, his ball skills are a little shaky at times, but somebody that big, that fast, once he gets a better quarterback than anything LSU rolled out the last couple of years. So he's grown on me. You know, you go back and watch 2016 tape on somebody like Richie James, and you say, dude, <laughs> this kid's got something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. So there's some wide receivers I like. I think you have to dig a little at tight end. Running back's kind of like wide receiver. I think there's there's definitely that that talent that stretches into the you know the second and third day. John Kelly is one of those kind of personal favorites. I would say just because he's he's fun, man. I mean, like you know, he's just I don't know if he's going to play ten years in the league with that style and that size, but. You know, I, I can't help but, but appreciate what he did, and given the fact that he's got some low mileage that, you know, he's probably going to be able to be a flash player. So, uh, offensive tackle, I really like Tyrell Crosby. He's, you know, I, I, I talked to somebody in the league who I've always respected their opinion for offensive line scouting, and, you know, it's sort of a name that came up when he and I talked back in, like, December, I would say. Um, and then the more I've watched Crosby, the more I – the more I can picture him doing well in the NFL with just the right kind of refinement and stuff. He's got that finishing ability, and he can mirror, and he can, he can do all the things that a lot of tackles struggle to do in the league. So I kind of have, have grown, you know, to, to really appreciate him. Um, you know, defensive backs, I'm probably the one guy, and, and everybody I've brought this name up to before has sort of been like, yeah, maybe, okay, I guess so. Armani Watts, I, I know he's not a perfect player, but I feel like he's the kind of guy who is going to – I'm trying to think of a good comp, like a Reggie Nelson type almost. Like he's not perfect, but he'll make plays for you. He'll find the ball. He'll, he'll do enough to compensate for his shortcomings. So another player that I probably have a little higher than, than some other people do. Well, it's funny with Kirk, uh, you know, every, I was all aboard and, you know, I, I do, you know, I think he excelled where Texas A&M wasn't doing very well. Uh, that yeah. protein shake he put together on NFL Network, look, uh, spinach and liver. You may have lost <laughs> me, Christian. I may have to drop you around there. Uh, DJ right. Shark, though, but we go kind of to the LSU background of wide receivers is there's guys being, you know, brought in there who never get to flourish the way they should right? because the quarterback play, and it, it, it's terrible for LSU. And look, I mean, it, we, we keep hearing every year, every spring, LSU is going to adapt. They want to go to a more col- modern college offense and then watch them play through the fall. And we're like, well, no, you're not. You're trying to play 1980s football in the most athletic conference in, you know, the, in, you know, with the SEC and all of college football, and it's just not working out. So I do think I like Shark in that. The thing we're going to see is is a little more is, is can DJ do the routine stuff, like a Jarvis yep. Landry and Odell Beckham? Can he you know run the six yard route, catch a ball, and you know get himself seven eight more yards after that? So that's the thing with Shark. I mean, it's always nice when you can see the big playability. And look, that's kind of what wows guys. You work on the little stuff. You can't use the big play stuff. Uh, yeah. And John Kelly from Tennessee. Now I remember a couple of years ago it was Jay Ajayi, and I wasn't a big fan. And actually, Matt Harmon, who works now with NFL Network Fantasy Wise, sure. part of that. And Matt's like, Jeff, just watch him play 
and watch him use the skills. I know he's not a great athlete. I'm telling you he's not a great athlete. But watch yep. him use running back skills. And that's kind of where John Kelly, you know, like opens your eyes. You know, the stiff arms versus Florida, you know, dropping guys. And look, he's, you know, putting out an attitude playing for a team that he knows he is better than the overall product of it. So John Kelly, definitely a guy I, I, I'm with. Um, you see a lot where he's in that maybe 80 to 100 range. I think he's an absolute steal there because I think, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, Eric, the way it works, you know, I mean, there's very few teams where it's the main guy. and It's a lot more of, you know, you're going to have your role, and John, Ge- John Kelly's going to slide into one of those perfectly. I agree, and I just, you know, it's so fun to see him finish and, you know, kind of like turn the corner and, and – you know, give a guy a stiff arm or break the tackle. It's just a little, you know, on the stat sheet, it may be a six or seven yard run, but to us, we sit there and flip out because we go, that's what I want, you know? And, and those are the kind of players, you know, I remember who was it? Who was the Kansas state running back? It was a Daniel Thomas, you know, people are like, Oh, look at the numbers boy. And I thought, yeah, but when you watch the guy play, he doesn't excite me at all. Like there was no exciting factor about him. So people kept boosting him up because, boy, those numbers did, I don't know. I, I, with Kelly, it's almost the opposite, right? The numbers are fine. They are what they are. But, man, it's just the way he pulls some of this stuff off that I'm like, all right, sign me up. If he's there in round three in that, you know, what is it, the Alvin Kamara, you know, Kareem Hunt range now that's been now that's known as, I'll, I'll take that every day. Exactly. It, it, like everybody, like they want to steal that next guy. It seems, sure. I'll be honest, Kelly may slip a little further than that because maybe he doesn't have the overall resume of some other guys who went in that range. But look, I mean, mm-hmm. and especially it's another deep group. And, you know, it's always hard to figure. I think, like, everybody's kind of confident with the one, two, maybe even three. But that four through ten, it's all scattered and it's all basically on preference. But, guys, locked on MLB. Look, guys, Major League Baseball is up. We're here, uh, my New York Mets. I'm going to keep throwing it out until they're not, you know, until they're not doing well. But seven and one up against, uh, you know, up uh, again tonight against the Marlins. So check out Locked On MLB, guys. They're doing a fantastic job over there. Almost every team's up and running and ready to go. Uh, Eric, before we go any deeper, this is the first one. I guess so. Yeah, I tell you what, we hit on John Kelly. Uh, a couple of guys answered today. I put it out there. You know, we kind of left the positional group up to the listeners. They chose the running back class. Um, again, here we are, another deep group. And I think the best part, it, like everybody, there's so many listeners and so many fans who like think of running back in the old traditional way, but it's not that way anymore. These guys are so much more of a weapon, you know, other than just running the ball. These guys can run the pretty much run the entire route tree, but another great class. So go ahead and hit on a couple of other guys besides John Kelly, you know, who, who you're interested here in this group, Eric. Yeah, I had kind of a coin flip between I, – I was I was starting to get really hip to Rashad Penny just because of his explosive ability and the, play, and the special teams factor. But, look, I, I think the, the pass pro needs a lot of work. So I, I kind of knocked him down a little, probably unfairly so, but I still like him. I, I would still say that – I could picture Nick Chubb and, and, and Royce Freeman having, you know, some success right away, maybe a little quicker than Penny if he doesn't, you know, have the, the right setup. Um, I'm just trying to think of some other guys that I've sort of been, you know, Mark Walton, I've heard he's had some, some sort of 
hot and cold interviews with teams and that maybe there's a little bit of concern about whether he's fully committed or, you know, that sort of thing. He's, he's, I don't know. He's left a strange taste in a couple teams' mouths, and I try not to put too much stock in that, but he's another one that if he stays healthy, you see some good good things from as well. Um, I'm not as big – I'd like to hear if you have a strong opinion one way or another on Kalen Ballage. I just – I guess there's just that concern for me that why did he not get more of the lion's share of care? You know, why was – Demario Richard carrying the ball as much as he did over the course of multiple years. And really, Ballage had that one monster game, was at Texas Tech last year, I yep. guess. It just sort of, that all, I keep coming back to that. Everyone's saying, hey, he's the next David Johnson. Maybe, I mean, right, the size, the speed, the receiving ability. But I guess he's one that I just haven't fallen in love with yet. So, you know, I understand. I'm going to see things differently than other people do. So I just, I can't quite wrap my arms around him. But, yeah, good class, and, and maybe there's a, you know, I don't know, uh, Jordan Wilkins or somebody who just comes out of nowhere and surprises people. I think there's enough depth to where, you know, a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder is going to have a nice career as well. Yeah, well, the thing with Penny is, um, like, everybody wanted to say, like, how great he did in the three years where he basically played, you know, the understudy role. And then now, yep. you know, we got the final year of him, and now it's like, well, maybe there are some flaws so it's like, well, maybe sometimes it's easy to, you know, feed as the second banana, which, look, I mean, I'm not going to critique him for it, but I think there's other guys with a bigger resume that I'm more confident in who also didn't play in the conference that Rashad Penny played in. So I look at it that way. Uh, you know, for that extra, that late sleeper guy, Chase Edmonds, I, I, out of four. Sure. And look, Emery Hunt, I, look, I tell you right now, I don't know if it's the number 22, but watching him play on tape, he's got, like, some Matt Forte to him, uh, you know, mm. plays well on the underneath receiving game. He's got a little wiggle to him. It, you know, a guy like him, it's going to be tough because he's got to kind of hit the ground running, you know, when you're coming from a school like Fordham, you know, most likely going to be a day three pick. The Kalen Bellage, I mean, that is, you know, uh, I, I know I sent off this text to somebody today. It was about something different, but he's kind of like the $5 scratch off. Um, you may take him earlier than he deserves to be taken, uh huh. You know, and if you're a good team, you know, and it works out, he's going to hit. But you won't take. You, you're not going to. It's not going to hurt you if he doesn't hit. So it's going to be interesting, with Bellage. And you know, I know there's a lot of guys out there standing for him. You know, they're big fans. But the thing is, is even still, if you're going to come in, you've got to be able to run the ball. Nobody's going to buy the receiving ability if you're not giving off the threat of being a solid, you know, contributor. You know, between the tackles or to be able to take your 8 to 10 carries a game and actually run the ball. So that's where it's going to be interesting for Balazs, because that's kind of where people get misconstrued. We love the fact that you're a receiver, but this isn't like you know 2001 or whatever, where you can just come in and play third down as a running back. You've got to be able to show dual threat ability. So I think that's kind of where the issue is with Balazs. And look, somebody somebody's going to take him early. He's going to go earlier than he probably should. It'll be interesting uh-huh. how it pans out for him. Uh, Eric, yeah, go ahead. No, that's it. Yeah, I would say, yeah, absolutely. Now, Eric, the one thing I've done here is, you know, it's kind of fun when you're, you know, hosting a podcast for a team who holds the number one pick and the number one and number four overall pick. But look, uh, Eric, pick the quarterback. Who should be the guy? Uh, like I said, you know, Daniel Jeremiah kind of shook up the world, made everybody a little nervous in Cleveland. <laughs> I got to be, I can't lie, I'm a little bit nervous as well. 
you know, he did yeah. he did specify that it was not the way he'd go, and the information wasn't coming from Cleveland people. But uh, who should be the guy here at one for Cleveland? Because look, it's everybody wants to just throw a name out, but they don't think deep enough about it. Because first off, it's got to be a, it's got to be a fit to the situation of the fact that it's a poor team. It's got to be a fit to the situation. <clears throat> the head coach is here, who is still one in thirty-one. The front mm-hmm. office has kind of got to like. I mean, it it it's a very difficult, you know, square peg, round hole type of thing. I, I agree 100% with what you just said. I'm glad you set it up that way because, you know, people just say, who's your who's your top quarterback? Well, it's this guy, but, and, you know, there is a but because, like you said, there are some guys that I think could step in, you know, to a team where they've got a starter and maybe that guy's got one year left in Eli Manning's situation or whatever. I mean, you know, it depends on the team, but, you know, one quarterback may be the perfect setup for that offensive coordinator, that situation, not going to play year one, blah, blah, blah. If you told me Baker Mayfield had to play year one, I would be okay with it. And I wouldn't think he would get ruined by the experience. you know. And, and I don't know if he has the highest feeling of any of these guys, but I, I feel pretty darn good about his competitiveness. I feel pretty darn good about his arm velocity. I think I feel pretty darn good about his elusiveness. You know, is he in need of some, some work. Sure. All these guys are, but I, I would, even though Josh Rosen is my, you know, I made him my top quarterback in my list. I don't think I'd want him going to Cleveland because it just, it just doesn't feel like the right situation. It just doesn't feel like the greatest match where we're talking city team, head coach, you know, all that stuff. So, I I would say that Baker, to me, makes the most sense. As you said, it doesn't sound like that's the way the Browns are going. sounds like it's kind of a Darnold-Allen situation. I would be fine with Darnold, and I would be – I would be leery about Allen. And I'll I'll admit it if I'm wrong, but that's kind of how I feel right now. Well, the thing with – you know, and and like there's there's ways to define it. Like it seems like Sam Darnold is the – you know, if you want to see the good soldier, here's your assignment. Sam Darnold's yep. not going to care. Um, all the word we had, Eric, and I know, and all the guys I had on all fall long, like every time Sam Darnold's name came up was, look, guys, nothing's changed since August. And I remember it was Ben Albright who came out with it about November. You know, look, Sam Darnold is still staying in school. When he declared, he knew full well who held picks one and four. So he knew mm-hmm. there was a real possibility that Cleveland was on the table. Um, the one yep. joke I like to keep putting out there with Josh Rosen, and look, I have zero problem. And Eric, like I've told you, I have kids, you know, my girls are 11 and 10. I understand how smart kids are this day. So Josh Rosen is yep. that way. Could you imagine a conversation between Josh Rosen and Hugh Jackson, where Hugh Jackson is, look, I got to make sure you're my guy. You know, I'm on the line here. And you look at a guy like Josh Rosen, as smart as he is, looking back at him, I'm saving you, who's already one in thirty-one. Like, I mean, like <laughs> Josh Rosen knows better. Like, he's smart enough to know the way this works. So this gets back yeah. to my point of finding the correct guy. So it'll be interesting the way it works. Look, I, you, know, I will not fault like it, it, Baker Mayfield, whether it's him, whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Josh Rosen, even if it's Lamar Jackson, any one of those four, I, I'm totally okay with. But you can't take another young guy with warts, with issues, at 21, almost 22 years old, and say, hey, here's Hugh Jackson. 
it, yep. it, it, it makes no sense. And I understand this coaching staff, may, it, there's probably a 75%, 80% chance it's all blown up. But how are you going to sell the new coaching staff? What if these guys were not fans? I mean, they know every one of these guys. So at least go with one of the guys who at least have what you're looking for. It, it, and that's the part that drives me crazy. And look, I, I pray it's just, you know, I know the NFL would like the draft spoke about every day, every second. And if Cleveland said today, this is our guy, the NFL would be aggravated. So that's not going to go on. But I, yep. so, I mean, there needs to be storylines to this. Um, I, before we get to the mini mock, I guess I'll do this. Now, Eric, look, day three, this is where the fun is. This is where, look, as a GM, as a scout, you you know you move yourself up the ladder. This is where you you know make or break careers. Give me a couple of guys that later on here that you kind of got an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think you know what, what's going to be interesting is is there a safety who lasts to day three who ends up being pretty good? You know, I mean, I I, I probably I don't know. I guess I feel a little better about that position in terms of a gradual fall-off than I do corner. That's, to me, I mean, the more I've looked at a big picture, you know, take a step back, see what it offers, the corners are going to go fast. There'll be some reaches in rounds two and three, and in round four, we're going to be left with some scraps. Maybe one or two of them Chasing day three athletes. work out. Chasing athletes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Charvarius Ward from Middle Tennessee could now be a top 100 pick because, I mean, that's, those are the kind of guys who, if they just got that that little combination of things that you like, they're they're in that zone where they go in the third round, you know. So yeah, I think safety has a little more depth. Uh, defensive line. The more I look at it, the less I excited I am. I thought it was a pretty good group, you know. Come January, and there were some guys that I thought, okay, Tim Settle could be decent, and Rasheen Green, and you know, I'm just sort of popping names out there. But the more I watch them, I get the more I don't know. I, I, I don't know that – I think there's going to be some guys at the D-line who are good pros, but not the kind of guys who change games at all. And, you know, I mean, I, pass rusher, boy, I don't know. I'm getting a little, a, little, a little worrisome about that group. Let's think about linebacker. Um, Scales, the Indiana kid, I like a lot. I don't know where he's going to go. That's the big question I have. So is he uh, – is he around three guys? Is he around four? I don't know. That's but I like him. Um, I've come around on Mike McCray a little bit. I, I just sort of saw him as a one-trick pony, kind of a run stopper. But now that I watch him a little more, I'm a little more excited about him. Um, boy, I'm just trying to think of some other positions where, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a uh, depth enough where somebody, a pretty good player, could fall that far. You know, maybe maybe a, like a, a, a former five-star prospect like a Matthew Thomas, give him the right coach, surround him with the right veterans. I've never liked him as a player. I mean, <laughs> and I shouldn't say that. I, he aggravated me to watch because he was so hot or cold. But the hot looks pretty darn good at times. And you think, man, if this kid could ever kind of get it straight and put it all together, maybe there's something there. So, again, these aren't guys that I'm in love with, but players that I've at least acknowledged, hey, there's, there's, there's something to tap into there where – Boy, if they get their head on straight and they kind of figure it out, you know, like your Chase Edmonds, boy, he would be a, a great fifth-round pick to me. You know, I would love to see that guy in that, in that range, fifth, sixth. He'd be perfect, you know, or, or if somebody says Josie Jewell's too, too slow and doesn't like him in round four, 
give me that guy. Yeah, he'll play teams for me for, for 10 years, if nothing else, and be my, my ideal A.J. Klein fourth linebacker, whatever. So I think there's a few of those players in this draft. It was actually funny because I had Matthew Thomas in my nose. And the thing with Matthew Thomas is, now look, you know, Vontez Burfett, Burfett obviously was not drafted. But right. Matthew Thomas, with his head on straight, as a fifth, sixth-round pick, especially especially the way he tested, I mean, you yes. may have stolen a strong side linebacker for, but even still, he can rotate at any linebacker spot. You may have stolen an eight, nine-year starter late on day three. So, I mean, it's interesting with him, and you know, the thing is, in all the people, obviously, Florida State is, you know, ride or die for 30 years I've been with this. The question is, is you know, and everybody says, well, it was just school. He didn't care about school. Well, yep. that's great, but is he now going to care that this is now yep. his job when school is his job? But, I mean, everything you want, you want to invest in, invest in him. So it's going to be interesting if he's going to, you know, if he's got the head on where now he can just say, look, all that's behind me, and if it's just about ball, I'm here for it. But, yes, even still, it, it's still a roll of the dice, but he will obviously go in that range because – you know, it, there is some solid tape on him, and he is more athletic than any other guy. Any other guy you're going to get on day three, uh, guys. Uh, if you're listening through the megaphone app, I do appreciate it. Uh, whether it's iTunes, megaphone, guys, go ahead, subscribe, leave the five star review, preferably. But uh, guys, I do appreciate you all for listening in that aspect. Now, Eric, before we close this out here, uh, it's pick one, it's pick four, it's pick thirty-three, it's pick thirty-five. It's pick 64. There's a potential here to do a serious amount of damage. I think yeah. to a man, we see, we all kind of seen that the cream of this is maybe top 70, 75. That's where mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of it there. And the Browns hold a lot of this capital. And one thing I keep bringing up is everybody wants to go back to past, you know, you know the, the Packer regime, what they've done draft-wise and Dorsey draft-wise. But none of this is based on the fact where you're going and it's, well, you can have the steak, you can have the lobster. Oh, yes, you can have that too. I mean, it's kind of hard to judge somebody's draft class when they you know have this amount of crazy early capital. Yeah, I look at their, their, their positioning right now and say it can't get much better. I mean, that, that's, it's pretty darn good. Obviously, there are other teams like the Patriots and the Bills and a few others who have really good you know, good setups and, and maybe their rosters are a little stronger, but, but this is an opportunity to kind of reshape their roster. So, you know, if they're dead set on Allen, at least make the Giants flip spots with them, you know. <laughs> I don't know why that would make you feel so much better. You get a little in return and, you know, you're taking Allen at two over one. I don't know, but start with your quarterback there. You come back with, I mean, look, to me it would be Quentin Nelson. I realize that's probably not, I would, I would take Quentin Nelson and play him at left tackle and be Joe Thomas' replacement, but I'm a little, a little out there for – what's that? Quentin Nelson went to my high school here in New Jersey. Oh, so there I know, you go. I, I know mean, Quentin well. I, I, mean, I mean, I love him. I think he could play left tackle if you needed him to. Look, I mean, I get it. He's, he's going to be an all-pro guard no matter what. But, you know, I, I understand. I People aren't going to see things the same way that I do, and that's fine. I mean, I, I get it. If you want Saquon Barkley there, great. He's a special player. You think Bradley Chubb's the man, and, and he's going to be your, your bookend rusher opposite Miles? Great. I mean, that, that makes sense. Is there a trade down that makes sense? Sure, you can entertain it, absolutely. But, I mean, look, if they want a corner, 
that's that's something interesting. I don't know that I would go corner at four. I think I would be more apt to go corner at, at 33. But but after that, probably not getting the guy you want. You know, if you want somebody yeah. with a little length, be a press corner. Maybe get Isaiah Oliver there, but you can't get him the second second rounder. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they play. There's obviously a little trickle-down effect starting with that number four pick where, okay, who are they taking? And then that affects, obviously, the next two or three picks. So it is fascinating. They need a tackle, I think. I just, I'm just i scared to death the idea of, of Sean Coleman out there. You know, I, And I like Sean coming out. I love his story. He's, got a, you know, he's a fighter. I don't know that he's the left tackle. I guess I just don't. I just don't know. So it, it, that I can't wait to see how they put this thing together. It is a jigsaw puzzle, and there's quite a few pieces that they have to use. But it could end up looking pretty darn good when they uh, when they finish. Well, the thing is, it's well. First things first. The most difficult thing in the world is to say, well, we need to find somebody to replace Joe Thomas. It's right. even more difficult when you're looking at this offensive tackle class and saying, "Yeah, well, we need to... So, look, for me, maybe it's a Jamarco Jones on day two. Maybe it's a Chooks Okorafor on day two. I, I don't... Any of these guys now, and now we're getting the maybe three to five offensive tackles could go in round one. Look, you can't just do it for the sake of need. And that's like the Correct. biggest... And Eric, you know, is the biggest problem with the draft is... You know, bad teams will draft for need. You can't do it, and especially with the Browns, because look, they're strong interior. The last thing they need is another guard or another guy yep. who play on the interior. So unless it's somebody you truly think could be this guy, and you know, people want to, you know, they keep bringing up Connor Williams's name, and you know, here's a guy who's doing all he can to remain at 300 pounds. So I don't know how I see him projecting as a left tackle. So it's tough for me. I'd rather the guys with the size and the ability and maybe some upside that needs to be worked with, with whether it's Jones, you know, like I said, or Okafor on day two. But other than that, I mean, you're not filling Joe Thomas' spot this year, and you can't be mad at him for going because of the body's not, you know, right. the body's done. It's done. Yeah, and you make a great point. Let's, let's say that they don't draft the left tackle. Let's just say that they don't get one, you know, or they get somebody on day three or whatever, you know, and, and it's obviously not somebody who's instant coffee, who's anywhere in Joe Thomas's zip code for that, you know, whatever. That's fine with me. I think I'm okay with that. I mean, do they probably need a little depth? Sure. Right. And, you know, could, could Hubbard pinch it over there if he needed to? I thought he, he's the better option in my mind. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little delusional about that, but so either way, if you can't fill every need this year, that's, that's okay. Yeah. I don't think we're, we're worried about getting Tyrod Taylor killed this year. You know I mean? That's not my biggest concern about the Browns. So I'm with you. If, if the right guy isn't there, if you're not in love with somebody and, and at that spot, take a better player in another position and just, and just keep doing that. And you have, Lord knows you have enough needs and enough spots to fill. You don't have to get sucked into that. I still think they should probably look to take one. But you're right. If it, if it's not the right guy, the right fit, the right spot in the draft, keep kicking the can down the road, and I'm all right with that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think they feel comfortable enough with it. Obviously, you know, uh, the way it came down, Joe, you know, like it was announced late to all of us, but I, I don't think he ever, you know, I agree, you know, dishonored the Browns. He kind of let him know where it was going. That's obviously where the Hubbard selection came in. Maybe they don't feel comfortable putting a guy who's sub 300 on the left side. 
Uh, Durango wasn't terrible, and I mean, you know, borderline, maybe not terrible, but the interior is that strong. You can kind of find a way to function around that. So you look, I mean, and like you said, you're not gonna fix everything in one calendar year. It's just mm -hmm. not gonna happen, regardless of the capital and the money that you have. Uh, Eric, before we put a bow on this, what's uh, what's next year? Uh, like what, 16, 17 days? What's ever, what should everybody be on the lookout for from you guys? I know everybody over at Pro Football Weekly. Yeah, I think we have about 13 more mock drafts. Okay, maybe not quite that many, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I've got one coming out Monday, meaning, you know, what, six days from now, whatever. So, yeah, I think I've got one there and then one the, the you know the day before the draft or the day of the draft one of the two so yeah two more mocks the rest of my players i'm, I'm down to number uh, 17 starting on, on tuesday uh 17 player profiles left or 16 maybe uh i've got an all-name team we're gonna have a little fun i've picked out some of the best names in the draft oh, a little you know we get too serious about these things yep. sometimes you gotta have a little fun with it and i enjoy doing that every year so Ghoster, and then What's that? I said from Boston College a couple of years ago, Goster Jeroulis. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Goster was one of my favorites. He also yep. gave me one of the best. He gave me one of the best quotes of all time, but I always mess it up. There was something like he confused percent and degrees one time. It was it was it was pretty funny. He said like three hundred sixty percent, or I don't. I have to go back in my notes on that one. It was an all timer, <laughs> but but uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's. It, there's some great stories out there. Obviously, Shaquem Griffin. Everyone wants to know where is he going to go. You know, it, it, this is this is a fun time of year. The quarterback story is is great this year. We know they're not all going to work out. I I want to know where Rosen goes. I want to know where Baker goes. I want to know where Josh Allen goes, and just see how it all fits. Always, always a pleasure, uh, Eric. Thank you so much, here, guys. Uh, follow Eric uh, at um, I'm sorry at Eric underscore Edlam. Uh, from Pro Football Weekly. Guys, check out everything over there. Eric and the guys over there. I know they brought some guys in here just to cover some draft work as well. Uh, Mark Schofield over there. A bunch of other guys. Yep. Fantastic guys putting out great work. Guys, you know Mark. He's been on a bunch of times. Uh, follow the show at Lockdown Browns. Guys, we're getting closer. I'm, I'm shooting for a 2,000. And guys, we keep it follow back. So let's get it to 2,000 by draft. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, about, what, 15, 16 shows before we go live here? Uh, look, we're going to hear a lot of crazy stuff. And like I've been telling you, listen to everything. Believe what you choose to believe. Just be patient, guys. The picks aren't being made today, as Eric knows. Uh, guys, thanks so much. Have yourself a great night. We'll be back tomorrow night. Uh, let's go Browns.